Music, friends, fun, and fandom. Join Tom and Steve as we hang out in the digital blunderground. Stop what you're doing. We won't ruin. Get ready to relax and join us in the digital blunderground. Thank you for joining us on the Digital Blunderground. My name is Tom, and I'm with my wingman, Steve. Hey, how you doing? Man, we got a great episode today, Steve. Yes, we do. So we got a friend of the program here is going to be joining us uh, via phone. And so we want to introduce to the program. Uh, it's a good friend of mine, uh, which is probably, I don't know, probably one of the greatest guys I've ever met. I mean, probably. I You're mean, exaggerating. I, think, <laughs> I would think. So, I mean, I said probably, all right. So uh, maybe. Uh, but uh, you know, you do you get people that are fascinating because here, I don't get around much. I mean, that's why I got a podcast all the time, right? Because I don't probably don't get out the house enough. But this is a guy who's been out and done a lot of great things, and I really I respect it a lot. So let's welcome into the program. We have Mike Park, everyone. Mike Park, welcome to the program. Hey. Big hand clap for Mike Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks. It. Great to be here. Actually, I, I can get you one too. Here, here you go, buddy. It's just for you. There you go. Yeah, there you go. All right. <laughs> All right, very good. Yeah, so uh, this is very, it's great to have a conversation with you, Mike. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Yeah. The uh, So just off air, uh, before we came on the air, we were talking uh, about uh, we were talking about accents, and this is a fascinating thing for me because uh, there's so much there's so much accents in America that is disappearing. So a couple years ago, uh, I saw this program. And they were talking about different regions, and one of the regions was uh, northern Maine. That was the reason I was watching. Uh, and another region they were talking about was West Virginia. Now, uh, northern Maine is one that I'm familiar with, and they uh, they had a, a toll booth. They went up there with the toll booth, and they kept driving the car in and out the toll booth because the people that work in the toll booth were, were had that really thick northern accent, that northern Maine accent. And so the whole program was about these accents that are dying. All right, so in the industrialization and these accents are kind of going away. But the, the one other accent other than the northern Maine accent was a West Virginia accent. And so, uh, Steve, you're from there, right? You're originally from uh, West oh, Virginia. Oh, from. No, oh, no, not Steve. I'm no, sorry. No, no. no, okay. No, Steve, you're not from. Yeah, there you go. You know you're not from there. You're from. Uh, you sounded offended, honestly. Um, No, no, I wasn't. Uh, sorry. He was very offended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So here, I, I'm, I'm sitting here and staring I'm, I'm at I'm glad him. he's on with us via phone right now. Man, I... <laughs> That's, no, no. It, look, that's beautiful country. It really is. I got to spend it, a year down is. there, it and uh, yeah, I was in. I, I can't really claim West Virginia. I got to be honest. I was in Swanton, Maryland. I was four miles over the border, but I, I did. Um, I did hop. I was a border hopper for a little bit there. Well, the the Panhandle's different uh, anyway, yeah. right? I was from oh, yeah. over on the, the the complete other side of the state, and there's mountains in between, so it's it's exactly. Different. Yeah, well, when I told people that I'm going to Maryland for a year, that instantly what they think Baltimore. I'm like no. Oh, of course. Like, no, you don't. You don't understand. Like I lived with deer, but I also lived with spiders. That was disgusting. Oh, <laughs> oh man, with spiders. That is not fun for me. But man, so uh, anyway, so this, I, so this is something that you guys have heard or experienced, but I haven't really experienced though this West Virginia accent. So here, give me the particulars of the West Virginia accent. Why is it so special? That's all you, Mike. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, <laughs> it's, on you, buddy. It, so I would always I would describe it as rednecky, which is hard to because every different 
area has their own redneck accent. There is a New Hampshire redneck accent, and it is mm. very right as particular, right? <laughs> right, sure um, is, man. Sure is. You know, when my uh, when my relatives came out the woods, you know, they had it pretty thick. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like a southern accent, but it's more I don't know nasally. Um, <laughs> you know, I I I apologize. I'm not. See, I told you I wasn't that interesting. I don't have words to describe it. Um, no, no. I mean, I think it is interesting. So don't describe it. Give us an example here. I mean, maybe I'll recognize it if I hear it. You didn't prepare me for this. <laughs> I, well, you were born there. What do I, I, I have to prepare you for? Yeah, man. It's not right? something that's in my my consciousness, See, right? I'm... I hear my dad talk and I go, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> right? You got any uh, clips of him hanging around? <laughs> oh, man. Right. There you go. Oh, man. Uh, so I guess, uh, you know what? Think about um, Jeff Foxworthy. Okay. Uh, oh, Jeff Foxworthy talked about this a lot. And I think he was from Kentucky or something. I'm not sure. But uh, one of the phrases that he talks about as a, as a redneck word is uh, yonk to. Yep. Yonk to. Right? Or so, Ewan's. <laughs> it's y'all plus three. <laughs> actually, if you would say y'all, right? So what right. in West Virginia, it's really you all. It's not so much y'all. Um and you gotta go I, further I south for that. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. it's like a southern accent. It sounds like a southern accent, but the vernacular is just a little different. I promise, if you go to Texas, you pick up y'all. <laughs> oh yeah. If, if any, Texas, oh man, everybody up here gives me crap for it because I lived there for eight years and I, I came up here with it. Right. And I can't get right. rid of it now. I I type it. You do? Oh, you type it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. <laughs> See, I, I formal, but yeah. See, the thing is, is people don't understand. Like, it's actually a part of the English language. Like, I always figure, like, y'all is how an American pronounces a period. You know, like you get a period at the end of a sentence. So you just read anything. You can say, uh, you know, you could uh, say, uh, 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 you know, um, Bob woke up in the morning, y'all. You know, he needed to go to work, y'all. You know, he it's got a, himself breakfast, a, y'all. It's just the it's period. Who you're pointing the sentence at, right? I, I'm not an English major. I don't know what it is, but. Uh, uh, kind of the opposite of the subject, whoever you're addressing. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, well, like the object, you mean? No, it's more like it's the period. You know, it's right the period at the end of the sentence. You can take any book and you can just read the period as y'all. And there you go, Texas, right there. Uh, I'm so glad you mentioned Foxworthy's segment that he did when he said, you know, we have words in the South that they don't have in other parts of the country. I think that's what you're referencing, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 Wow. When I think of Jeff, the first one that comes to mind when I think of Jeff Foxworthy, and I, I think he wanted to touch on family. Um, oh, no. Is w- <laughs> when, he, <laughs> when he says, uh, you know, you can you can go out and watch Aliens or something and say, man, that, uh, oh, what's her name? I forget. Sigourney, that Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver, Weaver is a sexy woman. <laughs> Two weeks later, <laughs> my, this meatloaf's a little dry. <laughs> I thought you were headed for Sensuas. That's oh right. no! Sorry. <laughs> he's like, he's like, we have sensuous. Of course, everyone thinking sensuous, right? No, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Told my old lady since <laughs> she was up, get me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I had that cassette tape. It's, <laughs> oh, so it's how old are you anyway? Right, uh, wow. Thirty-eight. Is that right now? Hey, wait, how old? Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. Hey, don't be dragging me into cassette. Wow, now. man, really, you know, because Steve, he's gonna be thirty-eight in twelve days, man. Right. It's really good. It's true. I was just telling him actually that was. Uh, I think Wait. I was I'm younger than all of you. Yeah. Well, now that he's thirty-eight, <laughs> so man, I don't know, because I was telling him 
we were just talking off air, you know, before the interview. You know, I was telling Steve because 38 was, I think it was 38. It was a big day for me. I think that was like when my testosterone dropped. You know, you have like this thing, like as a guy, you know. So like, you know, because you, you're always, you, you know, you're always thinking. You're always thinking a certain way, and you get to be, you know, in your middle age, you know, in your 20s and your 30s. And then it, it, for me, I think it was like at 38. So, you know, it was like one day I went to bed one way, and then I woke up the next day, and it was different. And then, like, my life changed forever. That's uh, when you're all, oh, your hair fell out. When all my hair yeah. fell out. Right. See, oh, thanks. See, see that's what went from the top of my head to my face. See, maybe this interview is a bad idea, man. Right? Oh, yeah, maybe man. Maybe yeah, maybe yeah look at this. Table's turning on me now. <laughs> so when I felt I was old, um, it's when you wake up and we all had our, our uh, rambunctious youth, right? Sure. Um, so <laughs> I wake up. That's right. I know and... that's how Steve describes his youth. Yeah, <laughs> rambunctious. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I wake up in the morning and go, oh, man, I am hungover. No, I'm not. <laughs> Why do I feel this way? <laughs> right, 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 yeah. right, right. And that's just like you wake up and your body hurts and you're like, oh, you're limping around because you slept the wrong way. Oh man, <sighs> I'm not even. I'm I'm dead serious. I said that to my wife yesterday when I woke up. I was Is like, that... I feel hungover. She's like, What are you talking about? <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that actually happened. Right. That is when you get that... so much truth to what you just said, Mike. <laughs> oh my goodness. Boy, you get that that first backache that you get, and that that yeah. doesn't that doesn't go away. You know what I'm talking about. You were you oh, were yeah. getting deeper into it though when you were talking about it off air. Man, that that was hilarious. You were getting into the territory where you're like, yeah, you know, it gets to the point where, you know, you just lose your testosterone as a guy, and you just kind of settle into that life. I mean, you didn't go like. Well, no, like, I didn't say that. I didn't, didn't say, like I didn't say you lose. I didn't say you lose it either. I said it drops. You know, yeah. that, 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 yeah. that sort of thing. You know. Well, um, you, you do the you do the family thing. You know, you have your kids, you establish your life, and you go well. I you know I've done all the manly things now. I can, uh, you know, your brain says, all right, you can chill out for a little bit. We boy, we should have just had you host the last podcast, right? Oh man, I know <laughs> That's exactly what it was about. Boy, I tell you what, man, we just got done with a. Uh, uh, that was one of the reasons why. Um, why uh, we had to make the adjustment? There was uh, we just got done with a barn burner, man. Wow. Well, uh, you'll have to check it out. So uh, I think it releases. Was it released tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah, boy, we just got done with a barn burner there. We got um, we were uh, we were hanging out with Boomer Girl. You know this thing, Boomer Girl. You seen this? No. No. Okay. No. See, so, like, I'm. See, uh, I'm not I, the one under a rock. No, I'm not the only am, one anyway. Why am I the only person around here that knows who Boomer Girl is? I well, no probably, idea. probably. I probably don't want the answer to that. Spend question. too much time on the internet, my no, friend. No, probably. I mean, probably not. <laughs> That's yeah. why. So there you go. That's why. That's why I'm stuck in a room with you doing a podcast. That's why. <laughs> oh man. So what? What is this? Uh, the, now uh, I'm confused. Yeah, I'm concerned. No, yeah, you're a bit concerned. Well, you can find out tomorrow when it releases. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I don't know because if I go through it again, I mean, boy, it's gonna be a tough one. Trust me. Just no, that's fine. You YouTube. get you got me hooked now. See, that's how you get not how you get repeat customers. Right? You here, you right there. You you want to you want to? Well, I don't know. To you got to listen girl? to it first, there, Mike, and then you can make that. Hey, determination. I, I'll give you six seconds. Oh, of please, Boomer no, girl. no, don't. Here, here no, she is. No. Girls deserve to be worshipped. Not saying specifically me, but girls should be worshipped. You want to listen? Oh, there it is. Was this a person that you talked to? <laughs> Thank heavens, no. <laughs> oh, all right. Absolutely not. Oh, now see that this is. Oh man, but don't worry. The best is yet to come. You can check it out, and then they'll afterwards. You can burn it with fire if you want. Okay. <laughs> that would have been the end of the conversation. All six seconds. <laughs> oh man. 
So uh, one thing that I do uh, is you mentioned family before, and that's uh, I think that's an important thing. Um, what's one of the things I respect about you, and, and that draw, and that me I think makes you a really interesting person, uh, is your family. Because uh, you have a great family, and that's something that uh, I think in a lot of ways people take for granted, um, uh, especially these days. Uh, and one of the things that we talk about on the podcast quite a bit is we talk about uh, the culture and, and really what is the culture anyways. It's the institutions. And so uh, I think for you, you have a real background in a lot of the institutions in our society. And so I think that's really where you can speak to a lot of what we speak to. Uh, the family is a, an institution uh, uh, and the military, right? You were in the military as well. That's correct. Yeah, and so that's uh, an institution. And even now, I mean, you're working with um, uh, working with the power grid because you work with power, right? Nuclear power and and the power grid. And well, such. I, I work with uh, electrical distribution. Uh, I did that for four years, and now I'm actually training those guys. Okay, right. Okay, so that's and that is a, a, an institution. Uh, it was more of a physical institution than anything else. But so we have there's a culture involved in it. Can there, you do anything yeah. about my electrical bill? Uh, I, I cannot. Uh, I can't do anything about my electrical bill. <laughs> okay. I was just wondering. Okay. That's a whole other conversation. There used to be employee rates, and then that got pushed down by the local government. It was a whole thing. Man, that is it. Struggling up here. Yeah, yeah. No, there you go. So uh, so here, so in terms of um, so in terms of the family here, so Steve and I talk a lot about, uh, and we've been kind of mentioning it here, is the family being a stabilizing force in society. And so we, so effectively the three institutions that we, the three institutions that we talk about the most, I think probably would be academia and we have entertainment and we have in media. And then I think you throw the family in there as well. So for example, in academia, we talk about the, uh, the lack of male enrollment, that males are not enrolling in college or primarily females. Now, uh, uh, uh professors are, are part-time. They're no longer tenured and, and no longer full-time. And as a matter of fact, a lot of the colleges are now making this transition away from academics and more into sports and sports betting. Uh, so uh, effectively, you, you have an entire generation of people who are looking to get into uh, uh, kind of like this uh, sports financial uh, world. Um, have you seen the movie Idiocracy? You know, I, I have not. So I haven't sat through this entire film. Uh, and so but uh, I, I am not going to lie. You don't need to, really. Uh, you don't need to. So <laughs> is that correct? Because I've seen the first part of it and it seems like the first part of it pretty much just explains the whole thing. It does. I mean, there's value in the rest of it, as I appreciate that kind of humor because I'm a de degenerate. Uh, but, um, but you get the idea, right? Sure. The society has, has broken down because there's less focus on, well, I mean, in the first five minutes. Right. In the first it, it five minutes. That the I'm couple sure. that is. Isn't there, the uh, scene, isn't there the scene at the football game? I think there's the one scene where they set the high school football game, right? And then they, yeah. win, they win like the state championship. And I thought oh, that's pretty, I don't know, that's pretty low ball humor, but it's pretty funny. But it's not that far from the truth. My high school was the, uh, you know, state champions for years and years and years, right? Sure. And the, the captain of the football team was treated that way, right? Right. It's, it's accurate. Sure. Right. Now, my, I don't want to call myself an intellectual, but 
I'm not dumb. Well, no, but, <laughs> but I mean, my wife so, and I didn't sure say, you can. Well, you you can call yourself an intellectual here. You're, you're you're on the program, aren't you? I mean, right? So there you go. We'll even time it for you. You get we have. We'll even time it for We'll send it to you. You can tell the wife, right? Say, hey, sweetheart, here it is right here. You know, put it on loop, right? I asked if she wanted to listen, and she said, uh, maybe later. Uh, she said maybe later, right? So, you know, so here's the thing. If you're going to be doing the podcasting, here's what I've learned, is if you're going to be doing podcasting, like, you cannot tie this to, like, your wife, all right? So, like, because I've been doing pretty much, I like, I pretty much gave up eating and sleeping, and so I've pretty much just been doing podcasting, and, and for Steve, it's worse. I think he's pretty, he's pretty close to a personality crisis over here. I'm having one. Um, but, uh, you know, so anyhow, and I don't think my wife has listened to a single episode. I mean, I think, I think it was like, I don't know, I'm not. So it's just not, it's too busy, right? It's not going to, it's not going to work. You can't tie it to that. And I understand that. Yeah. Oh, no, I know I, I do too, but I, I've had to come to accept the fact, like, I'm going to put in probably just like 300 hours of uh, under this and I'm going to be like, she's going to be like, hey, is that podcast thing working out for you? And I'll be like, uh, yes, we are. It's doing pretty good. I'm going to do it again tomorrow. So like, oh, that's real nice. <laughs> remember, remember the days when we started this and we're like, I wonder if we're like going to ever go back in and like listen to like any of these. No, we're not. Cause we don't have time. <laughs> Right, there ain't five seconds to listen to anything. Right. Like, well, yeah, I got time for editing and stuff. Yeah, no, I hear you. Forget All right. Well, it. I will be a guest, but don't ask me to help. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> no, you get I the wouldn't... best part. You get to come in and be a guest. So that's that's pretty great. No, it's I, like being a kid at Christmas. I, I like you, so I wouldn't do that to you. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. <laughs> so yeah, no, that you do to circle back around though, and talking about idiocy and 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 how. Yeah, we do seem to be changing the uh, we seem to be changing the standard, and so um, we have uh, a lot of artsy and and liberal arts colleges now are closing down. Uh, we have a lot of religious schools that are closing down, and uh, the academics has become more sports betting, and and that is uh, that's a real thing. I mean, it's shocking, but you can look it up. It's actually real. A lot of these colleges are transitioning into sports betting. And Steve, you were talking about the military too, right? Like that institution. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I don't. Could, I don't know what years Mike was in because he might be able to speak to this too. But um, talking about the like the PT test. So when I was in, um, it was normal that you know girls had one standard, guys had another standard. But at that time, females could not be in infantry. They couldn't be in combat arms at all. Right. Uh, you know, and and now uh, not only can they be in combat arms, but they can be in special forces. They can be in uh, Delta. And they can be in Rangers, and um, Mike, you know, you might know, like uh, when you go to like the Q course or whatever for uh, special forces. Well, they've dumbed down the uh, requirements to um, to finish that course for females, and also um, all the physical requirements that go along with that stuff too. So uh, they've made it accessible to them, and it it was a you you probably remember the big argument about like oh it's so sexist not to allow them into the combat arms and. Really, it's not. It's kind of a com like a like a a common sense thing. It's like if if I weigh two hundred and twenty five pounds, fully combat loaded out, and I get shot next to you, I need you and all your hundred and forty pounds to be able to drag me behind cover. That's probably not working out too well. Let alone firemen carry me anywhere, right? Well, I I guess I want to be careful with what I say here. So, um. I'm all about the equality thing, right? And I, women can do anything that men can. And sure. there was this girl that I was in the Navy with that um, we were doing our, our PT test and I bust out my 45 push-ups or whatever I have to do and I'm dying on the sidelines there. Mm -hmm. And she does 110 push-ups in the time that I did. 
45 or whatever. Yeah. It was nuts, right? Yep. But that's not the average. Right. 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 And, and the all... only difference I can say that is between a woman and a man, like, is the physical ability. And again, it's average, right? Um, but that is really the only difference that I can see between the sexes. Yes. No, I, I 100% agree with you there. You know, and, and all of us guys in combat arms at that time, right? I was, so I was a Ford observer. So I served with the infantry and the tankers. So I was always with these people on the ground. Like I was in the situations where they were like, we don't know if we should have females out here with us. Um, even all of us agreed like, yeah, there are females out there. I wouldn't want to fight on my, on my best day, you know? Right. And like, absolutely. All we said was, don't change the PT standards for them. If they right. can the standards do should be the same. Exactly. Right. If they can do what we can do, I don't really care that they have long hair. You know, doesn't I don't right. I don't care about the rest of it. Just I want to know that you can physically do what I can do, so my life is not in, in danger. You know what I mean? Right. So and that makes sense. Right. Uh, it, it should should be a standard across the board. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is comparing an objective to a subjective. As long as you can compare, you know, because I think that's the big question a lot of people ask is compared to what, right? So, like, compared to what? So, if we're all comparing the same action to the same standard and to the same outcome, then it's something that can be quantifiable. And you can at least speak intelligently to it, which I think goes a long way towards equality. Um, uh, but, you know, it's when you have the subjective standards that things get muddled because then w one standard is applied for one, another standard is applied to the other. Right, and and I 100% agree. Right, so that the it shouldn't be. If you can simulate this combat environment, if you can drag this, you know, 100 190 pound duffel bag over here and take cover and do all these things, then yes, you can do it. It shouldn't be whether or not. Well, you know, you are a woman, and we want to be inclusive, so we should do that. Right. So a little scrawny guy can't do it. Exactly. And so he and he fills out. Right. Yep. Exactly. And it's not it's not even about it it's not about equality at that point. It's about right. being able to physically do the job. Yeah, no, cuz we're talking life and death here. You know, we're not talking like, right. oh, well, you could get fired, you know, if you can't do your job that good. No, there's a difference. <laughs> there's a big difference, man. And and people weren't putting enough seriousness to this like the, the people in charge that were that were driving the narrative because the narrative started out subjective. It didn't start out objective. You know, it just started out, well, why aren't we allowed to do this? That's sexist. Because you're not meeting an objective standard, and they were totally missing that point. So what did they do? They made their own different objective standard, and that's perfectly fine now. It's not, a, I don't think it's a good standard. I'm not in anymore, so I don't care. I don't have a dog in this fight. I really don't care. Like, <laughs> do what you want to do. I, it don't matter to me, you know. I, well, I, mean, I have daughters, right? I, I have two daughters, and yeah. I try to teach them that they can do whatever, you know, they can do whatever they want to do, right. right? As long as they can do whatever they, you know what I mean, right? Exactly. So, uh, it's I understand in that part where I want to support them in everything that they want to do, but there are there are physical limitations um, because yeah. they're not very big. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, know, I myself have three daughters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. If they are big enough to do it, then and strong enough to do it, then by all means. But just some people just aren't built that way, whatever their gender. 
Right. Uh, there's there's a lot of guys like Tom's bedside manner. Horrible. Wouldn't want him as my doctor. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't want him dragging me out of a firefight either. That's but... <laughs> right. That. There you oh, go. No too. doubt. No doubt. Because one in one chance, in one sense, I'd just I'd talk your ear off. In the other, I'd hit you with a bedpan. You know. We got we got a man. <laughs> Right. If I had the, some gear around here, you want to go ruck marching? Right. <laughs> the, uh, you know, so I do, I, I, it is a real uh, objective standards. And so you're talking about, we agree that the objective standard exists, but then the uh, standard can, can be changed, it can be maintained, it can be changed, or it can be ignored. Uh, and, and so uh, for and this uh, so just to get away from the military a little bit, another uh, institution that I can ask you about here is entertainment. And so th- this is interesting. Steve and I were uh, we were podcasting and uh, our uh, the Blunderground Railroad. We were the other day, and we were talking. We're going through the Christian Mind, which is a book by Harry Myers. And so it, it was really interesting because he was talking about great literature, and he was talking about how uh, how great literature is always based on on a moral standard, and it's always comparing. A high moral standard to uh, a low moral standard, and recommending the high over the low. So you're not, you know, and it's not that you can't be mysterious about it. You can have character development, and then you go find out about people's motivations and actions. But at the end of the story, you're always contrasting this kind of behavior. And so for the viewer, the viewer is drawn, is pointed towards this, this uh, kind of a moral behavior versus the immoral behavior. So you're saying the good guy wins. Yeah, I guess in a way, you know, you can say the good guy wins, or you know, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, the nice guy gets the girl, or or, or you know, the bad sure. guy goes to jail, right? So you always have that this a lot in in, in the great literature. So he was, um, and this made me think a lot about entertainment, entertainment as an institution, because entertainment these days. Okay, so entertainment is pretty much it's pretty much on in disarray at this point in time i mean so uh and and you got me thinking about this too because we were talking about wheel of time uh previously the last time i saw you and uh so it because so the state of cinema terrible right terrible so the the yeah. only movies that are making money is like superhero films and these are objectively terrible films and you have a lot of people like quentin tarantino and uh, uh you know a lot of uh, martin scorsese is another one and they've all kind of come out and and shown their disdain for these films. It's a different type of inter- it's entertainment. It's not it's not supposed to be this, you know, passionate life-altering media. Well, they were right. They had like Reservoir Dogs. That movie changes people, right? It really is such a uh, a introspective look at like how a group of people works together. Sure. Um, but that's not what people want anymore. That's well, not what they find entertaining. Well, it's interesting. See, I agree with you up until the point when you you call it entertainment. And again, I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring in uh gonna bring in a fourth person here. It's a, uh, someone that's near and dear to my heart and near and dear to Mike's heart as well because I know he's a big fan, right? Is we're gonna bring in Leo Tolstoy. Okay, so Tolstoy <laughs> pointed this out and into the uh, uh, the entertainment of his day. And for him, it was uh, uh, for him it was the uh, the, the the play stage. And so uh, he would actually uh, he pointed out that what he saw in his day on the play stage wasn't entertainment as much as it was elevated distraction. And so that's kind of what I see like these days. So when you're watching a Marvel movie, right, like it's not that you can't enjoy the film. You can enjoy the film. A lot of people do. But what you're viewing is a form of elevated distraction. You're not viewing art. 
right? So like that, yes, I would agree wholeheartedly. But what? Tell me a modern movie that you would consider art. Fight Club? <laughs> is that is that a movie? You would he call hasn't art? even seen it. Man, he hasn't even seen it. <laughs> we talked about this. Oh, I know. that's your homework, man. Oh, Go ah. home and watch Fight Club. Oh, it's homework. Oh, golly, no. And read the book. I, oh. You have you haven't seen Ugh. Fight Club? Come on, man. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, hey, listen, man. Like, if you okay, so here's the thing. Like, I can't. I don't want to be pushed around here. If you want, okay. So I've never seen Fight Club. If you want me to see Fight Club, you write in your ass and we'll see Fight Club, and we'll do we'll do a watch of Fight Club. We'll have to have you come up, right? We'll have to have a guest of the program. So Mike could be a guest of the program. We come up. We'll have to check out this Fight Club movie. All so, right. I spent more time reading my confession than it's going to take you to watch Fight Club. Well, oh, oh man, oh man, oh here it is, man. Look at this. Wow, man. Woo, man. Okay. Well, so all right, man. Called out, man. Look at this. All right. So. All right. Well, we'll have to do it then. We're going to have to figure it out. All right. It's longer than it so takes I, me. I, when you watch it, just be aware it's not about dudes fighting. It is, but it's not. All right. All right. So I, you're smart enough to pick up on the undertones. <laughs> All right. Just no, I, pay I, attention to the movie. I mean, I think I probably will. But and can you imagine at the end of this, we're never going. He's he's going to go from having never seen it to we're not going to get him to shut up about it. it no, he's going to we'll, start blowing up buildings. Is what's going to happen. <laughs> All right, so I guess I really do need to see this film. So there, no, we'll do it. We'll tie it up, and we'll we'll you can have we'll have Mike back on the program. We'll have to talk it out, and you know uh, we're breaking the first rule anyway, right now, Mike. That's right. Sorry, <laughs> and the second rule. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's true. Oh man, so the um, <laughs> it's not kid friendly. Don't watch it with your kids. Okay, no, you don't watch it with the kids around. You know, put the maybe your son. Bed. He could probably appreciate it. Oh, he might. Okay, all right, maybe he will. All right, so uh, we'll have to we'll have to see that. I'll check it out, maybe. I'll put the kids to bed. Put the kids to bed, and then uh, go check out Fight Club. So the uh, no, I think that there's a lot of uh, pretty much any movie. Okay, so I, I would think uh, I'm trying to think most of the uh, movies that are art. Okay, so I'm I'm trying to think of a modern film uh, that would be more of an art based. Like how about Nebraska? That was a great film. Have you seen that? No, but I've heard the album. Yeah. Oh, you have. Yeah. Okay. So you've heard the album, right? Great album, by the way. I mean, really wonderful album. If you're looking for, if you're looking for an amazing kind of bluegrass-based, introspective uh, hour of your day, that's what you want to do. You just do. You don't listen to Tom and Steve. You go to Nebraska and, and get the soundtrack, and that's really great. So, uh, and if you're a bluegrass, oh no, fan, I meant the good, the but... the what is his name? Um, the boss. Oh, you're What's talking about name? oh the boss Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen. Oh no, no, no. Okay, Nebraska. no, it's bluegrass. I, I had a feeling that's where you were going. Oh, all right. Okay, is there? Okay, so no, but all right. So uh, there's a movie. In my corner. So who does that movie, Steve? Can you look that up real quick? Because I I don't know who the director is. The movie Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska. Uh, yeah. Jamie, look that up. Is he or Jamie? Is that right? Yeah, he is now. All right. So <laughs> he is now because he's looking up the he's looking up the director of Nebraska. So yeah, and he's a he's a super liberal and 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 I always say this too. You know, it's like like people like. Like, I don't hate liberals. They do all the great art, you know? Like, conservatives do terrible <laughs> art. I mean, and that's... Listen, I wish it was different. I wish I could sit here and say it was different. It's not, all right? Liberals do great art. They got a, they got the, they got totally cornered. Yeah, they got the market cornered. Alexander Payne. Alexander Payne, man. Yeah. This guy This guy is as liberal as a day is long, but, man, he makes some good films, man. He, he, he can make art, man. This, this guy can make some art, man. 
Do you want to talk about Thomas Paine? We could talk about him a little bit. No, Thomas Paine. Yeah, there you go. Opening it right up for Thomas Paine. Alexander Paine does this movie in Nebraska, and you check it out. It's a pretty great film. But it's great. The last scene in Nebraska is just it's amazing. Because, okay, so it's about a guy and his dad. And so, anyhow, they go through the small town. I'm not going to set it up for you. You can see this film. It's really great. And then at the last, uh, the last scene, it's just great. It's just great. Great, great. It's well written because it's between father and son. See, and so it, it kind of comes into this whole disparate life, and 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 it all comes through silence. And then there's the last scene in the movie. I mean, it's arresting. I mean, it, it's great. So there is art, and there's art. What year was that, Steve? Oh, I'm. I actually went over to uh, the soldier Thomas Paine's stuff. You have to give me a minute. <laughs> These are the times that try men's souls. <laughs> is this that elevated distraction? This is all that elevated distraction we were talking about here. It's uh, 2013. Okay, so that was 2013. So that's yeah. pretty recent. Is that recent enough for you? I don't know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, but anyways, that's a pretty good film. But a majority of the, the entertainment that we have these days is elevated distraction. I mean, right, like, look at what you and I were talking about, like with the Wheel of Time. How much um, how much money did, uh, went, did Jeff Bezos put towards the Wheel of Time and the Lord of the Rings. So this is funny. I want to put, point out a topic here. Whenever we talk about these people, we say Jeff Bezos is money. Elon Musk is money. Right? It's not It's not like it's coming out of their pocket. They're not <laughs> writing a check for it. It's like, well, there goes part of my fortune. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and the, well, the Lord of the Rings thing, Again, that was a whole other thing. They didn't have the rights to the Samarillion stuff, so they had to infer from all the rest of the media. Well, yeah, but no, you're assuming because the the show the showrunners have not stated that explicitly. They've actually explicitly stated exactly the opposite. So um, that they I mean, had the rights? No, but that they were not interested in a literal interp- interpretation of the Samarillion. They were not. They were not interested. In, well, <laughs> in that in that straightforward narrative. Okay, I didn't read that. Sorry. Uh, oh, it's okay. No, it's now. all right. No, but educated. I just, I just, that's what they say about themselves. So I'm just letting you know that's they, they don't claim that themselves. Like they, okay. they never set out for that to be to begin with. Because they actually fired. I believe that they, uh, I believe that they fired. Uh, they had, uh, and I don't know the names because I'm not, I'm not an expert on it. But they originally Amazon had brought in some of these Tolkien experts, and these were some really famous guys. And these were some real tight guys. I mean, these guys knew they knew things cold. Sure. Yeah. And um, they actually got fired. They they threw them out. I mean, they they were there for a couple months, and then as soon as right. there was disputes on the show, they were gone. <laughs> did you watch the Game of Thrones stuff? Did I? Which one? Uh, the 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 first iteration, the eight seasons or whatever it was. Uh, yes, yes, I've seen it. So it did you read the books? Uh, no, no, I've not. There was a lot of creative license there, um, and then the way it ended even was, uh, what's his name? George R. R. Martin has said, "Well, they got this right, but this was really bad." <laughs> you know, he he's made his own narrative on it. He has, um, has he? Okay, and pointed out some things those, that he didn't like. Yeah, right. And well, he, he didn't specifically point them out, as far as I know. He just said there's some stuff was good, some stuff was terrible. Right. right. So okay. he didn't he didn't want to detract from. You know, he doesn't want to cause a an argument or anything. Yeah. I think a lot of it, though, this, uh, the difference between, for example, like in Lord of the Rings versus Game of Thrones is that 
is that it, see in Game of Thrones we're talk is primarily and correct me if I'm wrong because I, I I'm not an expert so I could be wrong and if I'm wrong just tell me but I believe that it's more story and narrative that 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 were changed and it's more that's the issue is is the uh, the, the the sequence of events and the narrative uh, of what Martin was trying to do in the books as opposed to as opposed to uh, for example as opposed to DEI all right so effectively and this is kind of my opinion all right so my what i see when i look at entertainment all right is the great entertainment of of the the 50s and the 60s and the 70s we start out with ben hur right when cuz you're 38 so i'm 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 a little older than you so when i was a really young man it was ben hur that was pretty much the 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 epitome of 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 art people said okay well you're never going to make a better movie than ben hur you know no family is going to sit down and have a better 3 or 4 hours than watching ben hur and so you know you're not going to that's you're not going to get any any more stark in terms of 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 a what we were talking about before about great literature and about morals and about contrasting different behaviors and then recommending one over the other and so what we've done in our culture is since that time, we've now kind of given up this moral standard. And so now what we do is we have is we have more power dynamics instead of kind of an objective moral standard. So therefore, you know, whether you agree or disagree with that, if you're in charge of a movie studio, that's a problem for you. I mean, you're because you're, you're not able to just, you know, Disney for the longest time, it was like, OK, so we're just going to pump them out. We're just going to pump out the same story with different characters. And it's just going to be every year. It's going to be a new big event. But effectively, you're just doing the same thing. So, you know, you're just kind of pumping things out. Well, when the standards change and the moral standards change, there is no more movies. Right. And so where do those stories come from? Now you're trying to muddy the waters everywhere. And so. Uh, this is where we get uh, like a lot of DEI. Is so I think a lot of the reaction to DEI that people see in films, and again, Lord of the Rings, right? They turned the elves. The elves were were uh, I think there was like a black elf. I haven't seen it, so I'm not really sure. But um, the uh, I think there was a big outrage on DEI in the fi- in, in the show. I don't know what DEI means. Uh, DEI is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay, um, got it. Yep. See, I when, the first time he said it, I thought he was talking about Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. So you're, <laughs> well, you're not alone. Well, number three, I watched him die. Uh, interesting. Yeah. But anyway, I'm from West Virginia. That's a national pastime there. Yeah. Or nice. State pastime, whatever. But NASCAR is awesome. I don't care who you are. Who doesn't like watching NASCAR crashes? Well, I don't. Um, but what? <laughs> it just so happens that it, it was on TV. That's because um, it was on every channel because it's awesome. What? Uh, okay. <laughs> Come on, hit us all up, right. Man. Back to our interesting diversity, equality, no, but, and inclusion. My, but my point, though, but fine. no, but my point, though, is that is that now is that's kind of replaced. All right, so a lot of people say, okay, well, th- this is what you hear. People say, well, it's too much DEI in film. All right, well, wh- people, when people say that, I don't think that they're not saying, well, we don't want to see black people in in movies. Okay, that's not what people are saying. What people are saying is. DEI being a good thing is not a replacement for objective moral standards, which you don't really see in films any longer. Okay, so that's kind of what I'm saying. And and in terms of um, in terms of uh, Lord of the Rings versus Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones was at least faithful to what Je- what to what Martin wanted to do. You know, he set out to do ABC, and he got most of what he wanted to get across. But with Lord of the Rings, you're coming out and you're saying, okay, well, because Lord uh, Tolkien, 
uh, you know, Tolkien was a believer, and then Lord of the Rings has a lot of uh, a Western civilization kind of Christian overtones to it. So if you were going to, you know, so if you're going to be faithful to the source material, then you kind of you're going to need an objective moral standard as the basis of your story. Well, if you don't have that, then you need to have other basises for your story. And I think that's what uh, Lord of the Rings is a great example of when showrunners come out. And you'll see that in people in urban Hollywood environments are signaling. They're saying, well, what we're going to do is we're going to put out this show and we're going to have it's going to be DEI based. We're going to have diversity. We're going to have all this, these things in film. And what they're doing is they're trying to signal kind of like this postmodern replacement saying, well, we can't just come out and, you know, have the good guys win anymore. So we're going to give you this and this is something that can be celebrated in the same way, in the same vein. And that you have people that are not in that environment that they're not because these are people that live generally with objective standards well i think that so you already said that the they the showrunners fired the experts so they're not trying to stick with the source material right, right? They, they we've already that established themselves. that yeah they claim that themselves yeah so there is merit in inclusion or dei as you say it. Mm-hmm. um there is merit there, and there's nothing. I don't, I don't know that there's anything wrong with saying that there was a black elf that may have lived in a southern region close to the equator, and that's where his ancestors. So you know, whatever, right? I don't know. I, mean, I don't something, see a problem with it. That's not my. But like, when well on all the time, yeah, right. Right. Um, where I had a problem with it, not really a problem, but I just looked at it kind of funny. Sure. Was in Wheel of Time. Did you watch the first season of the show? So I watched the first episode, um, and uh, I thought it was all right. So I thought it was so objectively terrible. And then I also read about the first, because there's the, I guess in the first, I don't know if it's in the first episode or if it's in the second episode, but there was a whole, um, uh, there was a whole, uh, I saw the part of the first episode, and it was so terrible I turned it off, and then I had to see if it got any better. And they were talking about uh, there's a scene with Perrin, I guess. Is, it, is that what happens with Perrin? He, he, he kills his mother or something yeah, like that? Yeah, spoilers, but it was his wife. Oh, Perrin right. was never married, right? So yeah, right. The, the point is, is yeah, they no, changed exactly. a lot of it. Okay. And I get it. Sure, you can change a lot of it. That's fine. But the whole idea of Emmons Field is that those people – I, I'm ranting now. Yeah. Those people lived in that area, isolated in that little tiny area up against the, you know, between two rivers. Yeah. Two rivers, right? Yep. No, two rivers. Yeah. And they did not, they were so, they had such a phobia of people from outside of those places that the closest place, Tarn's Ferry, they're like, oh, those people are evil. We'll stay away from those people. Right. So they had this, like, they really hated outsiders. Right. So for a thousand years, these people lived in this tiny town. Nobody came or went. It was right. just them. Right. And then you cast a diverse cast. Right. Yep. So, and it, again, I don't care what race people are, but when you, when you're trying to set forth this this narrative, yeah, why is it, you know, Rand is supposed to be different, but why is everyone else different, right? You have like every other person in that area seems to have a different ethnicity. That yeah, sort of thing's been forced into into everywhere. And forced, yes, that's yeah. the point. If it's it feels forced, it's not organic, right? Yeah. You should it should yeah. it should make sense. With the subject, you know, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna enjoy it. I don't really care, but it feels forced. 
Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I was just, we're we're talking about this. Um, I can't remember if it was off air or whatever, but like even on TV, right? Like go back to like Family Matters, right? Like yeah. that was a that was a black family. Like I never even thought about that when I was a kid. I just watched it. TGIF, right. you know, like right. Whatever. There was no big deal. There's a show on Netflix uh, called The Big Show, and it's actually the 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 guy who the giant, the new giant. What's his name? I don't remember. Uh, the wrestler. What? Not Andre? Oh, you talking? About, yeah, Paul. Not oh, Andre uh, the giant. Oh, oh, That's a whole no, other no. story. You're talking about uh, Paul Wright, right? No, I think I, oh, it's okay. I think that's his name. I think it's Paul Wright. Maybe his name is Paul. I, I know that. W-R. But he's the new giant, right? So he's yeah. The, yeah. the name. Is, the name of the show is The Big Show, and it's him as himself, and his friend is the guy that played Steve Urkel, as himself. Yeah, Jaleel White. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's ridiculous, and the kids love it. Oh man, wait. It's got a show. Wait, this is a show with this is a show with Paul Wright and 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 Urkel. Yeah. <laughs> wow, man, wow, man. Like, writing this down. I was going to say, yeah, no doubt, man. We're cutting this interview short, man. It's been great seeing you, Mike, right? Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Wow. Talking yeah. to you, buddy. We're going to hit talk the TV. To you, man, right? Wow. <laughs> Some kind of TV. Hey, Steve, you got a TV around here somewhere, right? I'm about to pull this thing up on my computer man, right Yeah, now. right, man. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Right. Wow. All right. You find that thing. Wow, man. That's pretty it, good, yeah. man. That's a it's called The Big Show. The Big Show. All right. There you go. Wow, man. All right. No, this is pretty good. So I think a lot of this goes back because you. Do you consider yourself Generation X, Mike, or no? I was born in 1983, so whatever that is, I don't know. Uh, Probably. Yeah, I don't know where we fall either. I think I'm barely a millennial. Yeah, I no, you I'm are. You're, like, yeah, you're like Steve. You're, I, you're in this. You're, you're in this. So if we don't you, want to admit it. That's where we're at. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, you guys are. You guys are like elderly millennials now. You know. We're the elder states. Yeah, no, you you group. can yeah you can pull out the Generation X birth certificate if you want to and show it around, but like you can't actually claim the life, you know, like Generation X. We have we have knowledge of the thing, right? Knowledge of the thing, right? There you go, right? Yeah. See, you got not not the thing, you got the knowledge of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's so, a bit of an inside joke. Mike. Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of inside joke though from the show. So, what, okay, so being solidly Generation X myself. We were raised to not see the difference, okay? Like here we go, uphill both ways. Uphill, no, but we were trained. <laughs> listen, when we were younger, okay, when we were younger, we were told you don't see the difference, okay? Black, white, yellow doesn't matter; it's all the same. Whereas us racist pieces of garbage were brought up to, but Keep going. Well, this is what no, but what I'm saying is, is though, as as a young person, okay, so as a young person, we were taught don't see the difference, and. When when people talked about, for example, Family Matters or the Cosby Show was a, was a big one. The Cosby Show, it was, yeah. you are not to see the difference, right? You're you're there's no difference, and and so when we didn't see the difference, and so, um, but now as an adult, it seems like seeing the difference is not a, it's not a bug, it's a feature. Yeah. Right. And so that's I think like it's very unintuitive like when you're you're told well not only must so for me as generation x so you're told not only must you acknowledge it but it must be celebrated yeah uh, so it's not the physical difference right you, you can look at a person and you could say okay their their hair is like this their skin is like this they're Facial features are like this, okay. but you can't, cannot, absolutely cannot make assumptions about that person because it, it really, it doesn't matter what their race is. It's more what their creed is, right? Like, and how they were raised and the 
area that they grew up in and, yeah. and their values. So I, I guess I see what you're saying, right? Like we had different heritage months and Pacific Islander heritage month. Right. And, you know, things, um, and there's some pride in that. Uh, and I understand that, but on an individual basis, you meet a person, you walk up to a person, they don't say a word to you. Right. They're just okay. dressed in regular bland clothing. Yep. You cannot make any assumption about that person. Uh, used to be you could because the world was not that you should, I guess, but uh, the, the world was segregated by the the difficulties of travel and, you know, the transformation or transfer of information. Right. Yeah. Yep. Right. So but now that the whole, you know, you can fly to Beijing if you want to and start a family there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, mm. it, it everybody gets melted, so you can't make those uh, make those assumptions based on what somebody looks like, mm -hmm. but about their values. No, not at all. You, you, I mean, you and I learned that in the military for sure. Oh yeah, that that's. I mean, I think that's why I have. So, my family is very conservative. Uh, sure. and my wife's family is very conservative. We're the only two that left, and you know. <laughs> Saw the world, I guess, <laughs> and we came out as being, uh, you know, pretty moderate liberal, uh, because I think we've experienced, you know, what the other people that our family saw as like those are the, those are the other people, you know, it's like it's kind of boogeyman. <laughs> We're around them and exposed to them uh -huh. and say, oh, they're just everybody's just a person. It's you know, there's not other people everyone's just a a person right yeah yeah well you, i mean the military is one way you get forced into it and then you know if you ever actually leave the town like you said some people don't ever leave so they don't ever experience a different culture we were you know we were talking about something the other day it was kind of interesting and i've made this point over the last few years um because like you like i left my hometown and i went out and i I realized, like, oh, wow, like, these people are actually pretty cool to talk to. Like, you know, after having grown up in a small town where I saw, like, one black person my whole life, you know, now I'm, half my friends were black. So um, I started seeing these riots, right, like the, the Ferguson riots and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, I had been accused of being racist before and all this, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I understand, I don't understand, like, wh why they're doing it, you know, um, but I do understand the need to figure out why they're doing it, that they're not doing it for nothing. I do understand that. Like, whatever their feelings are, they're actually feeling that. They're not just, like, getting out of their apartment and going and doing all this stuff in the middle of the night when they could be relaxing and doing something else because they don't really believe what they believe. Like, something actually happened along the lines in their life, multiple things, likely, to make them believe what they what the, what they believe and make them do what they're doing right now and we get you know like i don't know i got lumped into where a lot of us just white guys if you just look at us you know that that racist category until you know you go to talk to people like oh okay but yeah we have a lot of those stereotypes where people don't like if you don't break down those barriers man they're they're just there and they're not going anywhere and you, you got all these people on the right that are hard right and like i used to be hard right but i still understood that you know but we have the problem is we have the people on the right that don't even understand that they they just 
they see fire, looting, rioting. They're like, you're an idiot. Well, that's what the left saw on January 6th. You know, like, they saw the same exact thing, just looked a little different in a different city. And I don't know, like, there's no there's no middle ground. When I became a Christian, I'm so glad. I just I stopped caring. Like, I don't know, like, where you're at politically. I know you said you're, like, moderate liberal. Like, so I don't know how involved you get. Like, my life used to be consumed by politics. It's not, it's not anymore. I just I stay right out of it. Um, I don't know how, like, like how involved do you get? I mean, do you do you bother really to, to pay attention to that stuff? You know, or? I so I find myself leaning. I, I say I lean liberal, and I say it's because I care about people, and I think that we should. Uh, their social social programs should exist to help people, right? And that's my argument, right? Um. But I really think that modern politics is in the last, I don't know, 10 years, uh, six to 10 years has really been media pushing a distraction. You talk to somebody, you run into somebody at the store, you bump into them, you know, your your card accidentally hits there, theirs, you go, oh, I'm so sorry, that was an accident. They're like, it's okay, don't worry about it, right? Yep. I think that every human... <laughs> Maybe not everyone, but like the majority of people are kind. Yep. Right. And I yep. want to believe that. Yep. Um, I don't think you're wrong. And I, I think that the whole like trying to politicize things and the, the Fox News and the CNN and you get those guys and they, they like people, <laughs> somebody is funneling money into that and making those decisions as to what news stories they're going to show. And it's for a reason. So I don't subscribe to it. I go about my everyday life and I just, I'm nice to people. I'm helpful where I can be. You know, I do the best that I can with what I've got. You know, I, I had a feeling that was the answer I was going to get because that's where most people are at. And you're right. They are. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm going to, I'm going to plug, um, I'm going to call him a politician. He's not really a politician. Uh, I'm going to plug Andrew Yang uh, with the forward party. Um, <laughs> we we talked about how great third parties are, right? They're not. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but a lot of it, when he was doing the debates and things for the, for the election, he wanted to talk about like things that actually mattered, like the future of our, of our uh, energy, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. and how oil's not going to last forever. And we need to work on, you know, different types of power and solar and, uh, wind aren't, I mean, they're okay, but they're not going to get us there. Right. Right. So there are other options. He was trying to talk about that. Like, no, oh, no. Well, what do you think about Putin? Right. But, but thorium right. reactors, let's talk about this because it's important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Real interesting guy, Yang. I don't think he's going to be ever be president. Don't get me wrong. But no. he does have a, a different perspective where he wants to talk about the issues that are going to matter for the human race not someone's you know own personal beliefs yeah it was uh i i actually uh it's interesting i met yang uh back in 2016 oh, really? oh yeah yeah and uh it was really great i had a chance to talk to him for a little bit and um it was really great Wyatt and i did it and uh he actually um it's funny uh he, he commented on how tall Wyatt was <laughs> it was really great <laughs> it was really great uh so i i had a chance to meet him and i was talking to him and he goes he says uh 
He goes, is this your son? And I, I said, I said, oh yeah, this is my son. His name's Wyatt. He, he goes, he goes, wow. He goes, he's so tall, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so when I uh, when I got home, I had to look up his kids, you know. So I, I saw I look up a picture of Andrew Andrew Yang's family, and um, he uh, his kids are tiny, you know. So I said, no wonder. I said, you know, <laughs> wow, why why he really is tall compared to his kids. So um, the uh, but no, he's a, a a really interesting guy, a real sincere guy. I, I like the fact that he. Because like him, I, I, I see the value in getting outside of the paradigm. One of the smartest things, so I do think, I, I one of the smartest things I think that kind of came out with him is, I like how he talked about, for example, uh, he talked about how uh, we need to disconnect our jobs from our health insurance. Oh, yeah, you know, 100%. Yeah, and how, how humanity is best served by moving away from our current model and moving towards a model where that's, those are separated you know, we don't have to necessarily have a socialist healthcare program, but we do need to start thinking about healthcare as a separate entity to what you do for a living. Yeah. And uh, so I thought that, uh, I, I thought those, so I really appreciated him. I thought he was at his best when he was outside those paradigms. Of course, because that's, and, and again, I don't think that anyone's ever going to elect him mm. because he doesn't, he's not part of the, the machine. Right. Right. Um, Right, but those at least he's like making the public aware <laughs> that there right. are some things that we need to think about. Right, some things um, we need to think about. Yeah, the healthcare issue. I mean, and I, well, let's go on this tangent. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, if I think Americans have this issue where they have to believe that any idea that we pursue in America has to be an American idea. Right. So we can right. say, oh, well, you know, insulin costs thirty five dollars in Canada, but it costs a thousand dollars here. Well, that's uh, whatever. We're still going to do the American thing because that's Canada. We don't want to follow them. You know, healthcare. Well, Singapore has great health care. Oh, that's Singapore. We don't want to be like Singapore. Right. Right. We're Americans. Right. <laughs> but there are there are actual viable examples of things that could better our country. We have this whole litany of things. That are issues that we need to make better, and everyone agrees we need to make better. And there are plenty of examples of how it's being – that problem is being attacked in various ways mm. and how it, it's – up, you know, how it's working in their society, but we won't do it because we're Americans. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think uh... – I think part part of it is scale. I mean, so a lot of these a lot of these countries, the ideas, the things that work for them don't necessarily work for us because of scale. Uh, I do think, I do think that one idea that that people unduly disdain is this idea of uh, of uh, like a last resort, a program for last resort. So we as a country could probably, I think, get to a point where you can set a threshold. Where, you know, so if someone, for example, if someone gets to a point where they're going to die, we don't want people like that's what the emergency room is. Right. Like we do like the emergency room in America is effectively that the, the health care of last resort. You can always go to the emergency room. They, they're not allowed legally to refuse you and you can't go bankrupt. So, I mean, if if you run up a big bill, then you're going to end up paying five dollars a month for the rest of your life. You know, but. Um, you know, there's massive amounts of uh, bankruptcies that happen, uh, uh, or Chapter 11s that happen all like, every year. So it, we do, 
So, for example, like people will say, well, you know, we don't have a, we don't have a, the kind of socialist healthcare system. And in, in fact, we do. We have a we have a medical system that is a medical system of last resort where the poor are protected in a way that keeps them from destitution and it keeps them alive. And so I do think as a country, you start there. And I think that's kind of a good place to start the conversation. A lot of people like to start at the top. They say, well, you know, look at uh, this country has the top tier, you know, like compared to what, of course. But I mean, you know, like this country has the top tier program. So then we need to go there and make it better. Like, isn't that more American than just saying that, you know, than saying that we can't have anything? Yeah, take someone else's example and make it better. Yeah, I can agree with that. You know, I think you start you start at that kind of you start at that kind of place of last resort. And, and I think a lot of people like things that creep like going back to Andrew Yang. Like, like I, I don't I don't subscribe to his his theory on uh, uh, on universal basic income on UBI, you know, because UBI is a, is this insidious creep, you know, is, is that. So effectively what it is, is the people at the lower bottom of the scale. Right. You're always going to have now society in general is not going to be incentivized to live on 12,000 a year. But you're going to have a certain demographic that is going to say, man, if you give me 12000 a year, I'm disappearing and you'll never see me again and there's, I will make it work. Okay. And, right? So I, I see what you're saying. Sure. But let's say, okay, you have a program and it helps uh, and uh, 100 people subscribe to this program, right? And 95% of – or well, I guess 95 because I said 100. 95 yeah. people are – using it effectively and it's helping them and it has bettered their life right. five people are abusing it and they're buying drugs with it and you know they're doing terrible things and they're you know does that negate the good that is done who well that- it doesn't but see this this again you're using rhetoric here so what we're doing is we're switching between behavior and structure okay so we're we're changing between behavior and structure so on one hand you have behavior human behavior so they use the money to buy drugs and then on the other hand you have structure it's funny when i look at ubi i i look less at behavior and i look more on structure cuz if you have a certain segment of society that drops out because they decide they can live on 12,000 a year then you now take the next strata the next strata is a structure problem because of employment and uh, because of desirability for for marriage and family formation and so it actually becomes much harder for the structures of society to exist at that level so if you're if you're right so let's say that I, I have a business and uh, you know or I, I'll use a real-life example actually so um, a, a real-life example I knew a guy who had a business where he um, they had uh, they did a lot of unsavory things. So they used to do, you know, like a lot of garbage work. And uh, anyhow, he could not find uh, the guy. He could not find people to work for him. And he the, he could not find local people who wanted to do this work. So he he had to go out and hire illegal immigrants and to just to be able to get the work done. And so he was kind of stuck in this position, and he's like, he's like, I don't want to go out and hire illegal immigrants, but I mean, quite frankly, like this is the only way I can run my business, and they work twice as hard. So they, so he, he kind of, he had to do something he wouldn't normally have to do in order to run his business, and it wasn't his choice. He felt like he was kind of put into that frame, and like with UBI, you can actually create a like a, a tier step where every single structure in society has to make a structural adjustment. We actually already see this in our society now because of population decline, uh, because we have uh, we have less and less. Uh, we have uh, we're giving birth and we have less birth. And so uh, because of labor laws, 
we're having uh, everything is structurally changing. So in terms of behavior, I, I, I do see your point, and I know a lot of people make that argument. But in terms of like a UBI program, my concern is structural. It's not behavioral. Well, I guess when I when I apply that um, that thought to UBI, I don't think that UBI is a requirement today. But where do you see the world in 100 years, right? Where do you see it in 200 years from now? Yeah. It, are people going to be doing things or are robots and machines and artificial intelligence going to be doing things? Right. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. And that's why I don't think time travel is possible in the human lifetime. Uh, right. And, wild you know, human man. existence. No, it's wild, man. Did you hear I know this is wild. We were talking about tangents here. So, again, again boy, getting late. So now Steve and I are getting on tangents. So, did you see the UFO, uh, the, the, the UFO stuff in the Congress they were talking about? I have seen the, the Tic Tac video or whatever. I saw that guy talk about it. Oh, you've seen the, the Tic Tac guy. I mean, it was yeah. wild. it was wild, man. There was a um, uh, there was a uh, uh, one of the senators. I forget his name, but he's he's part of the uh, he gave an interview and he never should have because he's part of this classified group that gets the classified yeah. information. And he's telling he's giving this interview and he's telling the guy, I can't talk about this stuff. And the guy's just hammering right. him. And anyways, he gives away the ghost, you know. But and, and I couldn't believe it. But anyhow, he was saying that one of the things that they were talking about that uh, it blew my mind, right? So he says, he says, oh, he says, uh, you know, he says, people don't think about it, but he says, these UFOs, all these light, these phenomena in the sky, like, he's like, oh, we don't have any confirmation that this, this couldn't possibly be time travel, like from the future, you know? Like sure. he was saying, like, can you imagine that people from the future, like trying to break the time barrier, but doing it unsuccessfully? So like, we have all this like light phenomena. And he was saying, cause he was talking about the MIT and some of these guys, so like from MIT and stuff. And they were talking about like, they can't prove it, but they're like, yeah. Yeah, they're like we don't know what what it would look like if you have people well, two thousand years in the future who are trying to break like a time barrier. What what is that even going to look like? You're intelligent. You're an intelligent person. Oh hey, right? thanks, so, Steve. Can you get that? Uh, I need you to cut that out and then can loop that out. I'll, I'll mark you that. Send You're it, intelligent. Send it to You're listen. intelligent. Send, You're there we go. Right there it goes. Here it goes. Send that to me. All right, M R S. Right. I put a I put a mark, and I am literally going to wonder why that's there. Oh man, he's going to. <laughs> listening to it like why he's gonna go he's gonna go hey tom i'm gonna get a text later on he's gonna say tom i've listened to uh, i've listened to mike say that you're intelligent 300 times consecutively and i still have no idea what he's talking about no i'm just gonna be like i guess i was supposed to get rid of this <laughs> oh, so man. when you when you okay so the, the whole idea is that the faster you travel through space the slower you travel through time they've proven that that's the whole relativity thing it's real right when you travel through, when you're trying to travel through time, you say, okay, well, I got this machine. It travels me through time. Yeah. Where is the Earth at that time that you're trying to travel through? Right? We can say, oh, well, it just rotates around the sun. You just got to go back to the time that's exactly the same time as it is now, and the Earth will be in the same spot. You show up the same spot. Well, not really. The Earth is traveling around the sun, but the sun is rocketing through space. Right? Right. So if you don't take into consideration, consideration the fact that you're out rocketing through space at you know, millions of miles an hour relative to other space um you're not gonna end up in the same spot so you actually have to travel through space and time but you can't travel through space if you're traveling through time it's a whole thing well it's been nice having neil degrasse tyson on <laughs> oh man what? okay nice keep going keep going <laughs> Give him a call. No, that was it. I mean, you can't. It's it's a it's kind of a paradox. Yeah, right. No, it is. It is kind of a paradox. Yeah, no, I don't think it's possible either. But these are 
theoretical these are theoretical boundaries that we don't know we like we like they don't know if they can be broken so now we're kind of in that we're in that realm of theory you know and and it, to bring it back okay so to bring it back to something that Steve can understand right yeah we are way outside <laughs> my bounds my friends the is i actually you know is this is something that people don't say impl- they don't say explicitly uh, because i'm not sure sure why but uh, if they won't say it i will but in terms of um what we see, like you were talking about politics before and uh, about how generally people are kind and people are good. A lot of the politics expresses a kind of paranoia about technology through the media. All right. Because like basically is th- we have had such technological advancement right, in the past, say, 20 years since I was because Generation X. OK, so Generation X can clearly be defined as people that remember life before the Internet. Right. Sure. And so, like, I remember a world. Like, I always tell my kids this. I always say, like, hey, I remember a world that had, we didn't have the internet. Like, you know, uh, we, we didn't have it. So, like, it didn't exist. And so, um, and now it's just ubiquitous all around us. And so, and now we have, uh, there are so many different things that we can do um, that uh, uh, you, everything everything that we do. Like, what we're doing right now uh, would be. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, it would be an example. And so this has happened so fast and so quickly. And, and there's so many, um, there's so much demographic aspects to this because we have uh, an increase in health. Increase in technology means an increase in health, which means that the boomer generation, okay, the post-war generation is still in charge. And then we have, so, and that creates kind of this backlog where once they all pass away, there's going to be such a, there's going to be such a change that it leads to, all this cultural change that happens, and it's whiplash, right? I mean, it's whiplash. So and this is where uh, there's so much confusion. And so a lot of this is, a lot of this, the problems that we see today are based on the fact that people, people generally don't trust people to make decisions in their own self-interest. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's like, right, we had, we had such... We had such a conservative time, and then we have like a backlash, and now we're gonna have another backlash. I think you're gonna have you'll have a lot of conservatism will come back, and then there'll be a kind of a, a circle effect. But there's been such a, a such an increase in technology that we have the people in charge. I mean, look at the people in charge right now. I mean, we got Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and and, and uh, she just retired, and we have um, you know we don't have uh, uh, you know. Uh, I think that Marco Rubio, I believe, is the only Generation X person that's ever run. I don't know. I don't. I don't have the demographic information. I could be wrong about that, but I, I could be wrong about that. But I think, um, but you know, um, is that uh, I think Marco Rubio is Generation X, and he's the only guy I can think of that's run for president from, from that hasn't been part of that Boomer generation. So you have fourteen-year-olds who are uh, who now. Okay, so. We talk about this on the podcast. We've mentioned this a couple different times in, in some of our uh, different uh, shows that we've done. But we have people that are now in the social age, all right? We, we're no longer in the survival age. So people used to work to survive, and now that became ubiquitous for, like, the 80s generation, Generation X. When you were a kid, you never worried about, oh, man, are we going to survive? Like, are we going to starve to death? No, it was just assumed that you would have food. You would survive. So then the, everything became about information. And so uh, about what, you know, uh, back in the 90s, all the adults went back to school. And, uh, and so we had, a, 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 as long as I can get the right information, I can change my life. Well, now we live in a, an age where information itself is ubiquitous. Like, you know, my kids tell me all the time. Like, you know, my own son told me, like, 
that, if I need to know something, I'll just go on the internet and find out. Like, what would I go to school for? You know? So, you know, it's it's ubiquitous all around them. So now what they they worry about is they want, you have social replacement because, and this kind of comes back to the family we were talking about, right? Like, kids grow up without parents. They grow up without a family, without a home. And so now they, they expect that out of a social institution. They expect it out of their political institutions. They expect it out of their communities. They no longer look to each other and to their own blood for these things. Everything, all needs are now social needs. And so when people look at politics, you know, you have a boomer who's saying, well, you know, uh, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we, everyone can wave the American flag in the right, the right speed at the right time. And he's trying to communicate with someone who's two generations younger Who's looking for politics to provide the kind of uh, the kind of um, the kind of uh, uh, social script or objective truth that a that the church may have met, or more uh, more likely that the um, the family has met? Uh, so as the social paradigm changes, right, it changes for a group. It doesn't change for everyone at the same time. You've got these people. You know, we call them boomers because that's our generation, right? And they expect sure. the things that they expect, right? And then Generation X expects that they need have these needs met. Sure. And, um, you know, as it goes down the line, it all changes. So what is the most populous age group in the country right now? Yeah. I think it's the 35 to 46 or something, I, I think. I'm not sure. I don't I, have those numbers I, in front I of me. But right. Yeah. So our age, right? So, well, maybe not Tom, but <laughs> so, out of but who's making the laws and who's dictating government policy, mm. and who's running the the companies that that provide the things that we need? Right, it's right. not the same people with the same values, so it really gets really convoluted, and that's where you get people's needs aren't met the way they need to be. Whereas it used to be, you know, is there food on the table? You know, I, I talk about my parents and I don't feel like I had a lot of parenting. I love my parents. They loved me. Yeah. But I don't think I had a lot of parenting because they made sure I brushed my teeth. They made sure I went to school and they made sure I ate my food. And that was the extent of the parenting I had, which at the time was what society dictated. Right. Yeah. So now I, you know, of course my kids are going to eat. Of course they're going to brush their teeth. Of course they're going to go to school. But now I have to provide them with other things. And it, I think I've said this to you before, but yeah. I know I'm screwing my kids up. I just don't know how. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I'm sure they'll tell me when, you know, they're teenagers. All they will. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I'm doing my best in the way that I know how, in the way that I was raised, in the way that, you know, the things that I needed. Yeah. Yeah. At, at, you know, as a child. And I, I, longed for i'm giving my kids that but what do they you know they, they can't articulate that right well, i tell my kids every day like hey this is the first day i've been a parent of a such and such year old you know i tell my oldest like i'm making yeah. this up as i go <laughs> right and it's true and i i think that the further that that goes like generation by generation i mean that, that we need to foster that understanding with our children that hey we're we're trying please let me know if you need something <laughs> yeah exactly right. I, th I think the thing is, is it's just interesting. I, I worked with a guy one time, and uh, he was about he was about yeah I think he was about forty. I think he was forty forty one, and uh, it's a great story. I tell it quite often. Uh, we I was sitting in a break room one day, and he came in, and uh, I think his name was Jason, 
and uh, he came in the uh, we were working, and he came in the break room, and I said, uh, I said, hey Jason, how you doing? And he said, I'm pretty good. Anyways, he was putting away his stuff in his locker, and he turned to me, and he goes, he turned to me, and I looked at him, and he goes, you know, he goes, I realized something today. I said, what? He goes, my parents did the best job that they could, and they're not perfect, but I, I love them. And I was like, are your parents still alive? And he's like, no, no, they're, they're, they're gone, but, uh, but I miss them. And I was like, Okay, that was like the most profound thing. Like, I mean, I've I always remember that. Like, he just turned he just to me. on the random felt comfortable to say that to yeah, you. Just on, like he just realized it. Like he was sitting there putting the stuff in his locker, and then all of a sudden, it just dawned on him. You know, like it just dawned on. Like he just my, had an epiphany and well, had to get it off his chest. Yeah, you know, like just the sudden realization of something not yet realized. He's like, my parents did the best job they could. You know, and I was like, and see, th- this is what I say when I say most. I, I want to believe that most people are good because people have that inner monologue where they do consider these things, right? You look at a person. You're at Walmart. You look at a person. What is that guy thinking? Right. right? He's worried about what he's going to have for dinner. You know, he's got to get his kid to this thing. He's got to, you know. But but we don't see other humans that way. We see them as objects in our way. This this jerk is in front of me at Walmart, taking forever. Right. Why can't I just get my stuff and go? But no, that is a human. That's a person. Yep. Yeah. You know, and it's hard to. It's hard for even for me, who's conscious of it. Yeah. To to allow that to change my behavior. Well, the thing is, is see, like, well, where do people get that standard? I mean, if people are taught, like, they, okay, I say this to Steve quite a bit. You know, it's like, either, either you have in a society, okay, so in a society, you either need to have religious ties through the church, you need to have a strong social script, which comes from a, a unified culture, or, um, uh, you know, you have the church, and then you, or you have social scripts. Or you have, for example, uh, strong families. Okay, so like this is where people are going to learn their standard. And I'll bring it back to what we were saying previously about great literature. Great literature always starts right with morals. You have the bad moral and the good moral, and then you're going to you're going to contrast these morals, and then at the end you're going to you're going to put up a certain moral that's ahead of another, good and bad. Without the standard, once you take away the objective standard, and then th- there is no th- th- there's no there's no art there. Th- you can have elevated and you can have distraction. You can even have elevated distraction, but you're never going to have art, right? Because art, like Tolstoy said, this art always wants to transcend. It always wants to break through the limits of this life. And so, uh, in, in a society, you have to learn. Y- you have to be able to learn. Where are you going to learn those things? You're going to learn them through your church through your social script or through the family. And this is kind of what I wanted to kind of get your thoughts here uh, in terms of about family because you're just a fascinating case, all right? And I think, and so I'm going to be blunt here, uh, but I, I do think it's fascinating because you, you're an agnostic, right? Yeah. Okay. So you're an agnostic, but you're a very, very faithful churchgoer. I mean, right? That's where, I mean, that's where I met you. It's not because I'm faithful to faith. It's because I'm faithful to my family, and it's important to my wife, and I don't see any negative side to it. That is such a Christian thing for you to do, though. Seriously. So, no, no. It, it's such a decent person thing for me to do. I... I, I never I got into to, this discussion I, with you because I know so many other people did. I didn't want to be like the 50th guy asking for an autograph, you know, in, no, in 10 seconds, you know, to the famous person, right? 
So I know you've heard it from everybody else, but man, yeah. It, since it doesn't, since I don't need, so I don't mean to be offensive, but I'm probably going to be. Nah. Uh, Bring it on. <laughs> I don't need, I don't need a reason. I don't need, uh, trying not to be offensive. I don't need a reason to do good uh, things. If, if, I don't if, need we, a, if, if we're a easy to offend, you think we'd be podcasting? Uh, probably not. <laughs> it um, could be your friend. No, I'm kidding. I don't need a reason to do good things. I do good things because, and maybe it's selfish. Maybe it's a selfish reason. I do the things that I think are good because I know that I will get something good in return. And the thing that I got from going to church was the friendships and the community. And I mean, kind of. I don't know how much I quantify this, but the, the respect for my wife, right? I think she would respect me anyway because she loves me, but it it, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> you know what I'm no, saying? No, not at all. I, I, so, I guarantee that's huge to her. Yeah. So I don't need anyone telling me to do that. I don't need anyone directing me. I don't need the threat of eternal damnation to do what seems to be the right thing to do. I mean, I don't know how much you know. I mean, I, I left the, the church as well, but I mean, like— I didn't. I didn't walk away from from Christ at all. Like once, once I knew that was fact, there was there was no going back for me on that. Like it doesn't matter. Like attending a white building doesn't really. It is what it is. Like it, it, that doesn't get you anywhere. You know, acting pious that doesn't get you anywhere either. Um, I've always admired you though for, for coming because I'm like man, like you couldn't have drugged me into a church building two and a half years ago. I was... It doesn't bother me because okay, so some of the things the pastor says says bothers me, mm-hmm. but I laugh it off because I like I just cannot believe that he believes this, and it's nothing. It's nothing that in the Bible because sure I understand faith, I get that. Yeah. It's when he starts talking about um, things in society. Yeah, yeah. Like I cannot believe that a person at this day and age can have that belief, but I just laugh it off because. Everyone's allowed to have. Well, what do you mean by their this own opinion? Like, oh, what do you mean by that? I mean, well, the I'm, age less, of I'm less interested right? in the instance, but you say it, this day and age. Like, how do you the mean age that? of information. That's what I mean, right? The information is out there, but you have to be, you have to be careful with the information that you're getting, and also what you want to believe, right? So there was one thing, and we could talk about COVID, and whatever. Uh, but there was one thing where he said, this this uh, nurse we know said that they don't have anybody in the hospital that's got COVID, but they got everybody with lung, lung infections because they're wearing masks. That is just patently not true, <laughs> right? But he read it on the internet, and he believed it. And I laughed it off because I went, all right. That's that's just that's just people though, you know. What I'm yeah, saying? and I was gonna say, like, I I, I kind of I, I more agree with you than disagree with you uh, in this. But when I look at that, I, I look at that more as a people problem, not really a, a person of faith problem. It's not, and that's why it's not about the faith. That's why I said it's nothing in the Bible that he says that bothers me. Yeah. It's the the other things that yeah. he says, and it's the problem isn't that he believes it; it's that people respect him and they respect his opinion. And they're going to believe it because he said it. That's well, where the issue lies. But again, I don't care. <laughs> right, I'm over it. <laughs> it's so, interesting. It's not, a, not everybody, but not everybody buys into it though. You, you'd be surprised, man. Like I, I lean right, you know, 
and so I I talked to a lot of people who obviously lean right as well, and like, and you'd be surprised, man. It, most of us, most of us are very discerning and don't listen to anybody and form our own opinions. Well, I I and I believe that because I believe that people are mostly good. And but there's this culture war that's going on that's manufactured yes. by news media, yeah. and it, it's just trying to get people upset at each other, so oh. we don't pay attention to whatever's going on behind the curtain. Hundred, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know if I march and step with that. Even Steve, you say a hundred percent, but I, I, I don't. I see. Well, it's two so against no, one. So there's too much. There's there's too much difference in presupposition. I think in the culture these days. Now, there, if you want to isolate certain areas of the culture war. And then you want to, and then you want to apply it to a certain area. Then yes, I think that that that's probably true. But overall, we, we have a serious presupposition problem in in our country because you you can't. You, it's very difficult. So outside of social scripts, and I'm gonna do a little, I'm gonna do a show on this sometime in the next couple of weeks because I, I, I this is something that I keep running into right. <laughs> like all right, you can once religious belief ends, the social scripts will keep a society going for a time. All right, and it's not me that says this. Okay, people a lot smarter than I am say this. So that that the social scripts will keep things going for a time, but eventually social scripts on their own cannot stand. They will eventually begin to break. You know what? So, it's what is religion other than and, and you know taking faith out of it. But what is that religion and that church and that community and the sect that you belong to other than a society that you belong to? Well, how is this not a social script? Okay, so now you're we're kind of getting into that Emmanuel. So Emmanuel Kant, right? Is our are we talking about Kant here? I'm gonna so, say Kant. Okay, sorry, Kant. All right, so probably is. I'm not <laughs> of sure. You would. Yeah, I'm never right. liberal. No, uh, yes, I'm not sure which one is correct, but uh, whatever's correct is correct. But so, like, you know, Kant was not a believer. His parents were both believers, and he despised them for it. Uh, and uh, but he, for him, you know, he showed philosophically how the golden rule could make sense. Like, you didn't, you could divorce yourself from faith, and you could still find an altruistic reason. You know, general altruism, you know, it, it makes sense in 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 terms of communities. So it, it doesn't always necessarily have to be. I think that there is an overlap. Uh, there is an overlap. However, there are other areas where you can apply where it, you don't, where it, it is more stark. Uh, you know, for example, um, you know, human behavior, right? And, and so not that I'm, tr I'm not trying to argue semantics here or even apologetics, but think about it in terms of history, right? Like your, your generic liberal, when they look at someone, say, for example, from West Virginia, They'll oftentimes look at the they'll say, well, they'll say it's almost like people it's almost like people make decisions. They'll point to uh, uh, oftentimes it's almost like sinful behavior. OK, they'll say it's a lack of education. They'll say, well, you know, the person has a lack of education and so therefore they make the wrong decision. And so therefore there's this connotation of sin there because and, and the connotation is, well, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, and that's why these people make these wrong decisions. If we change the way that we did things, then they would make the right decision. And what this is is this is a view of history with God inside of history. So, you know, we have, we have the ultimate determiner of the objective was within the bounds of time and space. And so, therefore, it's possible to improve processes, and it's possible to improve structures so that you can go from point A, which is a point of degeneracy, to point Z, which is effectively utopia. 
So, you know, it, when God is inside of history, you can navigate your way towards utopia. Now, you can argue whether or not you're able to get there, but you can navigate your way towards there. And this is oftentimes what the left, when they look at the right, they'll say, well, we're all, in the, we're all going in the same direction. We all want to get to the best spot, you know, that we can get. It's just that, you know, you, somewhere someone did something wrong along the way, and it ends up becoming like a political sin, right? We, we've lost the ability to look at someone. Like, you, you say, well, I look at someone at the grocery store, and I say, generally, they're kind. But do you look at someone at the grocery store and do you say to yourself, generally this person makes a decision that's the best for them and they make the decision that's best for their family and I will, I will, I will defer to that decision? Or do you find yourself curious about that decision? So I, re- I listened to a 10-minute primer of Notes from the Underground. Ah, yes. And because, you know, I was trying to, you know, get an understanding of what you're about. I didn't listen to the podcast, but I listened to a primer on the book just to see what you were like looking into. Okay. And uh, so for the primer, he talks about this like hyper consciousness where like you're you're hyper aware of of how you are perceived, how you perceive yourself and your perception of the others around you and how you compare to those things. Right. Okay. You definitely um, need to listen to the podcast because Tom and Steve would dive into all this stuff. Right. And for hours think, and hours. Right. Okay. Anyways, go, think, go ahead. Please go ahead. Sorry. I think that the layman, it's a, that's a derogatory term in my opinion, but the layman doesn't, isn't conscious most of the time. And I found myself where it's like weeks later and I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> you know, what have I done for the last two weeks? I haven't really tapped into this inner consciousness where I like actually actively think about what I'm doing. Right. Right. And the decisions that I make. Sure. And, and I've just been on autopilot. Um, yeah. I don't think that the average person and again, I'm just me. I'm not in anybody else's head. Yeah. But I don't think that the average person really has that um, that level of consciousness That's... on a constant basis. Nope. So they are on autopilot. They're just doing the next thing that comes along. Have you seen Frozen Two? Uh, wait for Frozen Two. No, wait, the, no. I, I I suffered through the first one. For yes, my I daughter's think so. Sake. I was gonna say I think I'm probably in the same the same category there. Yeah. So what what one of the songs is uh, and uh, the the rock troll grandfather says uh, when you don't know what to do, the only thing that you can do is the next right thing, right? And I think most people generally just do the next thing that you know is somewhere within their spectrum of what they believe is right and wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. but when you have that hyper consciousness and you're really thinking about, oh, yeah, right, you get there are two outcomes: either you do the best thing because you've thought about it and it's the best thing, yep. or you get this like sensory overload and you can't decide, mm-hmm. and and yeah. you're stuck, right? So generally, I think that guy at Walmart is thinking, I'm going to put this cart back because it's the right thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody is going to Walmart and leaving the cart in their space because screw it. Somebody else will take care of it. I don't care. (laughs) This is dumb. Everyone else is stupid and I'm the most important person here, right? (laughs) Nobody it's, I'm in a hurry. I've got stuff to do. I I really got to get home. I don't think anyone is being malicious when they leave that cart there. I hope, I, I really hope that they're not. I agree with you. 
I, I do. Because there are a lot of carts out there. <laughs> there are people that are feeling this way and acting this way and making decisions. No, I think you know that. I think you're right. I think the media, like you said, is is driving this narrative to to drive us apart. I'll I'll give you an example, Tom. See if I can get you to come around our way of thinking here. All right. Okay. Far away. They, they canceled the the a sitting president of the United States took him off completely of social media, right? Tucker Carlson though still has a platform. Most watched <laughs> conservative person in the world can say whatever he wants essentially. He's got a blank check to say whatever he wants to whoever he wants. No big deal. But he's I was about there. to argue with you and then you took the other side too. Why, so like, why okay, is all right. <laughs> why is he why is he allowed there? I I told my wife this two nights ago. I said, "You know why he's still on and not canceled? Because they wouldn't be able to play us against each other if he wasn't there." And I lean to the right. right. So there you go. Right. So describe this to me. How do you mean play us against each other? If Tucker, oh, you mean, you why mean leave they, Tucker Carlson there? You mean if they took away the... Uh, if, they're, if they're so serious about canceling people on the right, what's he doing? He's there for a reason. To drum up trouble, right? Ding, ding, so, ding, ding. Yep. I agree. I can't... And, and again, I don't have a computer in front of me. I cannot go look up specific examples and show you. If I had a Jamie in the room, I would say, hey, Jamie, go look this up. <laughs> All right. Um, but it's it's just inflammatory. Like, have you ever sat and watched Tucker Carlson? He's a monster. I I agree with a lot of what he says, but I mean, you know. Well, you're a monster too, so it's fine. That's, that, it's so um, good. Well, and I think I think a lot of this, I think a lot of it is structural. I mean, I think probably the best example of what you're talking about is probably Drudge. You know, like I well, back in the day when Drudge was a conservative outlet, um, then um, they, you know, it's funny. I, I used to have people could say to me, and they'd say. Oh, you know, do you read Drudge? You know, and it was almost like you couldn't say it, but like I read Drudge every day. And so I'd say, yeah, I love Drudge. I lo- you know, love it. But then people would say, oh, you know, you're, you don't, people, I, I used to have somebody would say to me, and say, you don't seem like the kind of person that would read Drudge. And I would say to them, like, okay, listen, like, guy, like, calm down, okay? I'm not reading Drudge because I think it's great news, okay? Like, these, these dudes over at Drudge, like, they know how to, like, they know how to inflame people. And I just think it's funny. Like, I go there and I read the, like, I read the headline, and these would be conservative headlines, right? And so you then you read the conservative headlines and you know it's all garbage. You can go into it and, and all the details and it's all, and it's all fake. And so I used to say, you know, I love going to Drudge because it's, it's like, it's like news porn, you know? I mean, you can go and then it's just, it's, it's like shocking. And then you can see the, the rhetorical way that people do it. And then when, when Drudge went left, when, when then when it's funny now that they're now that they're from they they take it from the left it's the same thing it's no different they kept the same people and it's 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 fascinating you can't talk to anybody about this you know they kept the same people that used to do it on the right but now they just do it from a different perspective but they do the same exact thing and so you can go to Drudge right now and you can read it'll give you it'll it'll make it seem like the whole world's on fire and that the you know the 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 right is like a bunch of nazis and and they're sending flame to america but it's no tr- it's more no more true now than it was back in you know 2002 or 2004 or whatever oh i did lose you oh there you are okay okay here i am yeah so it's it's i i really honestly believe like i said everyone's not everyone the majority of people are good yeah and the inflammation that is caused is, and all the the words are hard. Well, no, the words are hard because you, here's the thing: is you're 
and I said this before, it's the presuppositions, like the presupposition of objective truth, okay, and, and, and also in objectives. If you don't want to say objective truth because it has a religious connotation, that's fine, but any objective at all. I mean, we, we, um, when we're talking about the boy crisis in, uh, in, on our podcast, you know, women have the opportunity in our culture to take any path that they want, and all paths are subsidized, right? So now we don't offer this same thing to men. And now, now I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to draw a distinction except to say that, for example, so if you have five women, right, and you have one person wants to be one person, one of the women wants to go to the UFC and become the UFC world champion of the world, and then another one wants to become the CEO of a corporation, another one wants to be a housewife, one of them wants to make a million dollars on OnlyFans, and then another one wants to go to India and fight tigers with a, with a knife, right? There are paths for all of those. And as a society, we subsidize all of them so that people can, can succeed in those silos without fear of consequence. And yet, and, and so, and yet, at the same time, like, when you're talking about, like, with this whole narrative of, well, you know, uh, like the Rodney King narrative, it's, well, we all need to, can't we all just get along, right? Like, can't we all just, like, be nice to one another, well, you know, if you're going to say, well, you know, Jane can be the CEO of a multi-million dollar corporation, but then Mary can make a million dollars on OnlyFans. Are they both equally right in their in in their righteous expression? Right? So if you're going to say yes, then now you no longer have a moral a moral or a social script or a value. What you have now is a power dynamic. And so that's kind of what I think a lot of people see in the culture is they see power dynamics are used as an underpinning for the way that people see civilization and the way that people make decisions. It's not based on values, but based on power dynamics. I want to say that what's winning for one person is not the same as what's winning for another person. If one person wants to get on OnlyFans, make a million dollars, retire and move to Haiti and drink sangria on the beach for the rest of their life, that's what's right for them. And someone wants to be a CEO of a company and, you know, work 70 hours a week. That's what's right for them. We can't say that this is the cookie cutter human and this is what they should do. I would, if you know what, if I could sell pictures of my feet on OnlyFans and make money from it, I would not feel bad about that. Because that would provide. I'm I'm not kidding. I would, Where are they scratching? I have this one toenail that I had. Anyway, it's a whole thing. I I, I can't sell my feet. But <laughs> the point is, is that like it brings the the offset right. Is like, yeah, some people see that as unsavory. Yeah. But I'm able to provide for my family, give them a nicer home, provide them with, you know, higher nutrition, food, and and better education. You know, there, there's a trade-off there, and if that's what's right for me, I don't see why society has a say in that. I do see the idea that if you're going to restrict people and you're going to, you know, people always say, well, uh, you know, we don't put women back in the kitchen or we want to, you know, put blacks back on the plantation or whatever the, 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 the rhetorical uh, uh, platitude of the day is. I, I think that everybody wants to tinker, and it's interesting that – People don't. It kind of goes back to what I was saying about about the the like the the sin like the left and right and how the left looks at 
people that they disagree with as being some sort of a, of, a, of a sin. Sin exists both on the religious and also outside of the religious as well. There's such a thing as a secular sin and a way to look at the world that way. So sure. the only I, – because I, when we were talking about the military and we, we talked about the standard, we said, well, you can change the standard, but that's got to be for everybody. So if everybody gets the decision, then everybody gets to make the call for themselves. So, all right, so let me bottom line this, what I'm saying is you're talking about a world where there has to be actions and consequences across the board. And we've dealt with this as a culture on a minor scale a lot in our history. But what we see these days because of technology is we see it on a much larger scale. And it's starting to affect the institutions, right? We have – this is the issue is that people – people's freedom – Okay, and when I say f- not freedom of action, okay, or freedom of as an individual, but people's freedom from from sin, from pe- people's freedom from consequences in the morality of their actions. So, it is people are retreating from society, and they're beginning to work towards leg- delegitimizing the institutions. Okay, so for example, uh, let me use OnlyFans as an example. It's a good. Uh, it's a good. It's a good one. So if women are going to be on OnlyFans and make money carte blanche, then men will will accept the fact that they can't do anything about it and that they and that they're never going to convince the society at large of whether it's moral or immoral behavior. However, men can refuse to marry. So what they can do is they can delegitimize the institution Ooh. of marriage in relation to the decisions that someone else makes and that's just one are other women are other women paying for videos of other women on OnlyFans? is that their key demographic well no i I don't think i made that implication okay you didn't you made the opposite yeah right so you say oh women can go do that and the only thing men can do in return is not marry them well i didn't say that's not the only thing they can do in return yeah. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I generalized, but no, no, no. That's okay. I was just telling. I was just. It's, that's why Steve's laughing. I was just telling. Him we have to generalize it in order to be able to to make a point. You know, otherwise there'll always be outliers that will prove our point wrong. Okay. So, but that's the that, that's the point. There are outliers. There are always outliers. Are the majority of women, young women between the ages of 18 and 28, are they on OnlyFans? The majority of them? No. They're outliers. Right. This is not something that is plaguing society. Well, I don't know. The, I disagree. I, I, I would just dis- I would disagree with that. And I think the numbers back it up in terms of in terms of the marriage numbers and also the fertility numbers. Uh, but again, I would also go back when you talk about um, uh, the visual nature and who's paying for this stuff. A lot of that goes back to no fault divorce. I mean, right. Uh, the, a lot of time in, in the institution of marriage is an institution. You're making me like you less, Tom. Wait, Why? Two people can uh, can decide that they don't want to be married anymore. Yeah, but can as in terms of ability or can in terms of permission. Okay, so the, do they have the ability? Yes, of course they do. I mean, they're individuals. But can is a helping verb that denotes a lot of different things. So I'm referring to permission. And so what I'm what I mean is is that no fault divorce in short, uh, the or the absence, the absence of no fault divorce, uh, ensured that. That the institu- that marriage as an institution, uh, excuse me, remained balanced between the genders. Okay, and so what you see now, when you take away one, uh, when you take away one, um, one uh, border, then 
you're going to create another problem. So I, I don't think that, yeah, OnlyFans models get paid by men. It, that's true. But I, that's not the root problem. The root problem is way back, and there's other problems behind that problem. I just looked up the numbers, by the way. There's only 1.5 million um, OnlyFans creators. So there's That's probably worldwide. That's Thanks, that, Jamie. That's, that's it. Anywhere at is all. That, is that, yeah. Are those global numbers? Yeah. There's mm-hmm. only 1.5 million uh, content creators. So what there's if there's – okay, but what if there's 1.5 murderers? I mean, do we let them off there, the hook? Well, there are. But, but we didn't. <laughs> but, we didn't. But but how about but, rapists? But I'm I'm kind of with Mike. Yeah, I'm not saying even more. Five rapists, we let them go. I, but you said it's a huge systemic problem type of thing. I'm kind of with Mike, where I'm like, I see a problem. I see 1.5 million problems. Absolutely, I do. Sure, but I don't see like I I think if you go through I don't know we've talked about Walmart a lot. Let's go through Walmart. I don't think even half of those people would have an OnlyFans. I'd, I'd bet every last dollar I have. Yeah, but I'm not making that claim. I mean, like, I, I didn't make the claim that every single woman has an OnlyFans. And also, too, on OnlyFans. I know that. You, you know that. And you also know um, that I think a lot of the uh, the income on OnlyFans is highly concentrated as well. I think the majority of the women oh, yeah. that are on OnlyFans are not making a lot of money. Correct. You know? But these are these are all... So this is one thing is we don't we don't extrapolate we don't extrapolate consequences. And and here's the thing. You don't have to consequence. You don't have to do that when you don't have an objective standard, okay? If power dynamics is your standard, then who cares, man? Let come what may. And the power dynamics will just change and dictate as we go. And that's probably fine, yeah. right? But you can't extrapolate things out in – like, for example, if you have – Say, for example, you have 100 women on OnlyFans and that you have five women are making a million dollars and the other five are making 100,000 and the other 90 are making nothing. Okay. So what happens to those 90 girls? They they try to find a mate. They want to they want to get married. Right. This is what happens. They want to get married. They find someone if they're comfortable enough with that person. They say, yeah, I had an OnlyFans. I didn't make any money. So I quit doing it. And that's the end of it. The guy can either accept that or. You know, he doesn't accept it, and they're not together anymore. Yeah, but then right? what happens to the guy? What do you mean? What happens to the guy? Guy's not a monolith. He he's a, a person. He's he got a, a, woman's wife a person that loves him. What? Does he? No, he doesn't. Why doesn't he have a wife that loves him? Because a woman is unable to do both things. A person is unable to post naked pictures of herself on the internet to try to make money to for whatever reason. Doesn't matter. She can't love another man or another person. Another one, it doesn't matter, right? That you're saying that that person is now incapable of loving another person. No, no, I'm not making that claim. But what I'm saying is, is that actions have consequences, and so, uh, and so, for example, they do. Like, yeah, no, they, I get that. Okay. And, and the, the 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 consequence is that man that she wants to marry or woman or whatever. That's the consequence. Yeah. Or she she goes for a job interview. And her boss is like, or the, the guy interviewing is like, I recognize you from somewhere. Right. That's the consequence. But you where, accept those consequences. This is where presuppositions are going to split exactly. that Exactly. No, that's right. And that's what I'm thinking here. I know because I'm trying exactly to. Exactly where it is. That's it. Exactly. And so you, you kind of take it back to the culture war itself. This is what I mean by presuppositions, right? Okay. So um, is once, once the languages change or the presuppositions change, you can't you get to a point where you can no longer agree you know like i can't 
like I, I can't like I can engage in an intellectual exercise about it and I do that all day. But I, at, at a certain point, like, I have a presupposition, okay? Like, that is immoral behavior for me. That does not match my values. And so, and that's why you don't have an OnlyFans account and you're not looking but, at these Yeah, like, but people. no, don't, don't do it. No, but like Mike, 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 um, Mike, you're not, you're not, Mike. You cannot have the amount of millions of dollars that come through this and then the amount of, the amount of media exposure that it gets. You cannot have that without social consequences. There's no way. You're, you're, you're living in a world where you're like, okay, well, you, little Johnny can take the, little Johnny can make a decision and little Johnny will be just fine. It's not about little Johnny. It's about society at large. Mike, I'm about as as left as a right person can be. And where <laughs> where we divide is the Bible. That's that's where we divide. Sure. You know, and that's that's where the OnlyFans thing like that it's like, yeah, I think anybody should be able to be anything they want to be. And and when it comes to scripture, guess what? It your relationship with God is on you. So really everything is down to the individual. You know, it's it's really interesting too because you know we could be easily accused of of bringing in the most extreme example to try to make a, a smaller point, and and I think that would be a, that would be probably it'd be a good thing to say, but I don't even think that we're doing that. I mean, you know, things like OnlyFans are so ever present in our society. Like porn is ubiquitous in our society now. Everywhere. It's everywhere. So what do you do? You you have them attend, uh, you know, twelve hours of training. And say this is what your consequences are when you decide to put yourself out there like this, when you decide to make these decisions. Well, I think what I see what I see a lot in society is I see a lot of tinkering. People want to tinker with the problem, and so what they want to do is is they want to say, well, if we if we tinker with the problem this way, we have uh, we have fewer of these and we have more of these, then we'll be fine. And so, but uh, in terms of what to do is. What ends up happening is you end up people retreat into their into smaller people groups, right? You end up with balkanization, and so even Tucker Carlson will say this. Like Tucker Carlson is not a national divorce guy. I think uh, he's come out and said that no, America could never do this. Like it can never happen. Like so, but, can so, I sidebar? Go ahead. You said balkanization. Is that from the Balkan Islands and how they're spread out and how society developed differently on them? Uh, no, I think it's uh, from the uh, the area of the Balkans where they had, uh, where, like in World War One, where those uh, those countries split up into smaller countries. Those are more ethnic, you know. Whereas you had you had larger countries that were ruled by one central government, but when the government falls, people tend to fall back into their ethnic groups where they speak yeah. the same language, they eat the sure. same foods, they, they celebrate the same holidays. They don't have this overarching government to tell them that they're all the same anymore. So then they kind of become smaller countries. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that's kind of what I meant. Okay. Yeah. So, and as a matter of fact, uh, it's been a great conversation. So we're going to want to have you back. Uh, and to do a part two, is that something that you'll be willing to do for us? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, man. Uh, we know you don't have a lot of time. You're a busy guy. Uh, we do want to give a shout out to our good friend, Mike Park for joining us today on the digital blunderground. Uh, don't miss the next episode. We'll go ahead and continue this conversation. looks like we're going to get into some pretty good stuff. So catch us next time around on the digital blunderground. Thanks for joining us on the digital blunderground. Don't forget to check out Tom and Steve's flagship podcast, Notes from Blunderground, and their journey from ignorance to knowledge, the Blunderground Railroad. See you next time.